Okay, welcome to the Ironcast. Here we are. It's March. Very excited to get out of February. February is a very challenging month for me. Uh, yeah. So yes. I think for a lot of people, I don't know why. And I was listening to another uh, podcast and they said February was just a dark month. Uh, I never heard that before, but I definitely experienced it this year. Mm-hmm. Shana, I did want to say that I'm glad you're here. You're actually closer to me because we're one <laughs> mic down. You're like... We're, we're like rubbing shoulders here. Yeah. We're, <laughs> you're like the rock to my scissors in... Yeah, so I'm glad that we're here together yeah, in this. Same. Does that make me the paper? <laughs> <laughs> it does. See, thanks, Rob. You're welcome. <laughs> that's by the way, guys. That's our special guest that we're not going to introduce because he needs no introduction. So he's just going to chime in there whenever he feels like it. I'm the paper. <laughs> Hi. <laughs> hey, paper. Uh, so, <laughs> um, but before we get into you know some great questions with our our guest Sam. Uh, Shana, you know, it was a little bit of a whodunit, but where were you last night and why were you there? I was at the Phoenixville Home Group. Uh, we have many Phoenixville Home Groups, I think. Six, I think. Yeah. So I was at one of them and uh, it meets at the Maddox's home. And so, yeah, I was there. It was awesome. And why were you there? Because I can't bear to not be there. Hmm. I love it there. And we talked about this yesterday, but home group for me is a safe place. And it's a place where whether I've had a terrible day or an awesome day, it's a place of rest. God's people uh, are just, they're almost like a sacrament to me. I can't be without it. So yeah. And, and Sam, we had so much fun last night. I mean, <laughs> we had too much fun. Yeah. It was like, I can't really tell you because <laughs> what happens in home group stays in home group. <laughs> but we were all like on the floor laughing. Uh, it was a great time. One phrase, butt shot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, anyway, so uh, just to, wanted to highlight that um, a lot of home groups are meeting this week. Mm-hmm. This is the home group week. If, you, if you're not in one, you're welcome to join. And uh, I think in a loose way, you can consider fellowship like a sacrament. Uh, it's one I don't of those, want to be her- heretical. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's not typically considered that. It, uh, the, the sacraments are in the context of fellowship. But I've always kind of seen it separately. It's one of those four things at the ends of Act, Acts 2 that people were doing um, in, in living out the Christian life. There was the, the breaking of the bread, and there was ministry in the Word, and fellowship was one of those things as well. Hmm. Uh, so, so the fourth sacrament, is that what you're saying? Maybe. Okay. So with you, Sam, we're not, you know, this is not going to be wading into the shallow end of the pool. This is not going to be even diving into the deep end of the pool. This is like where your brother comes up from behind you and pushes you into the deep end of the pool. (laughs) And Shane is going to start us off with one of those kind of questions. And again, to give some context, Sam is becoming part of our staff. And so it's, we would just love to get to know him more. And we're hoping that this is simultaneously encouraging to you listeners and also informative formative as you get to see a new face up there. Yeah, so we're starting light here. I would love to know, Sam, your thoughts. Uh, What do you feel is the greatest issue the church faces today? Yeah, well, that's an easy one for me. I don't mind jumping into the, uh, being pushed (laughs) into the pool at all, uh, because I've thought about this for a while and and reflecting on my own pastoral experience. It's very clear to me that the answer is a lack of discipleship in the American church. And I use discipleship in a very broad way to uh, encompass cultural engagement, evangelism, child rearing, leadership training, Christian character formation. These are all different aspects of bringing people there to their next step in Christ. And I feel like 
the American church is largely um, be, largely failing at this. And what do you attribute issue. that failure to? Why do you think we are failing so much in this area? Oh, well, it's pretty standard um, historical cycle that uh, the, the gospel goes through. The gospel comes into a culture or a civilization, radically transforms it, even changes its institutions. People get their lives together. It becomes much better. They end up prospering just because <laughs> the gospel changes the culture and the lives of people get so much better. And then in that prosperity comes affluence. And then people start to say, you know, who is the Lord? So I think this is a standard problem of affluence is that uh, the church turns inward, people turn inward and they uh, leave off the very, the very central commission that Jesus gave the last thing he did before he left the earth when he kind of instituted the new covenant and said, go and make disciples, you know. And uh, when the church kind of loses that as its mission, then um, bad things follow. So you and I talked briefly about discipleship in a modern context, and you you brought up a couple areas of even parenting. And we're doing uh, serving parents in our community with a parenting in the digital world breakfast coming up here soon. And yeah, I'm so glad you're doing that, Rob. Thank you. What do you think uh, about that? Is it? Do you see anything that we should be thinking about, or anything come to mind when you think about discipleship in a modern context? For, for particularly for parents? I think as parents, as Christians, we need to understand if we're taking that uh, as our mission, that our first line of discipleship is our, is our children and our own uh, family relationships. Those are the first places of focus. They aren't the only places of focus, but they're the first ones that God gives us. And if you can help parents to see themselves that way, that what I'm doing here is raising uh, disciples, you know, and that's what this is about. That's what the plan is. Then um, you're doing a great service to them. And what I love about what you're doing is that you're not shying away from them. They're actually very difficult issues that are facing parents today. They're, they're different. It's like, what do you do with the screens? How do we interact with screens as Christians? You don't want to look at the screen while I'm talking to you, Rob. Right. <laughs> sorry, sorry, Sam. I was texting, <laughs> Snapchatting my son. No, good. Yeah. Yeah. In fact, this is one of the reasons that I love um, hanging out at Ironworks because uh, the the culture is, you know, the culture of the church is very local and uh, it's largely shaped by the attitude of the pastor, Darren Pesnell. And Darren Pesnell is somebody who's really understands the need for people to get into other people's lives, which is when discipleship happens. I'm very much drawn to that. Uh, and I think it determines the character of this church. And Chrissy was at your church when Darren was, was interning there? Yeah. Darren uh, just kind of showed up. Well, uh, I was pastoring a church in New York City, uh, in Greenwich Village, which I did for 11 years. And I got this call from this guy who just said he wanted to have lunch with me. I didn't know what to think of this. Occasionally I get these calls. So I was like, sure. And I had lunch with him. And he was just asking me these questions. Seems like an earnest young man. And I thought, well, that was interesting. Go away. The next week, he had he moved his family into the city, started <laughs> wow. going to my church. Uh, and that was just the beginning of a great relationship. Uh, they were they were just starting out at the time, uh, Darren Darren and Chrissy. They were married, but um, just starting out their lives. And 
it was a great ride. Yeah. Wow. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, speaking of a ride, you know, you've had quite a ride in your life and you're still, it seems like you're still kind of got the... Trying to find out what I should, <laughs> where, where I should be. <laughs> I don't know. You seem like you got your pedal to the metal here. You got, you know, in your life, you just came back from Turkey and you were learning Turkish to be able to communicate about Noah's Ark to a bunch of people. So I feel like your, your, your ride is still going kind of strong, but like, can you give me some highlights of your ride in your life, you know, of like where you've been, what you've seen, what you've done? Kind of weave that for us. It might be a little mosaic, but wow, give us a that's, picture. That's way too broad. <laughs> well, I know. Just give us a snapshot. Give, give us your life. <laughs> Leave nothing out. Just you the, don't let us scroll the Facebook like, pictures. What are you interested in? I want to know like the highlights, like what you see are some highlights in your life. Not like, you know, I know you got married. That was your big highlight, but like. That was a big, pretty big highlight. Yeah. yeah. Mary Kay's an awesome woman. And, and so, but, but some things that like Owen Pesnell pointed out, you went to Yale. Why did you go to Yale? Um, because my dad did. Uh, and I could, I got in, <laughs> uh, which, uh, was a great surprise, but, um, yeah, that, that was, a. a a great uh, opportunity, um, but it was also, you know, this that kind of an education is is a mixed blessing. Um, there's a lot that you can get introduced to, and in a place like Yale, and it was marvelous in a lot of ways, uh, in just uh, as far as understanding the culture, engaging the culture, seeing where the culture is going, rubbing shoulders with the kind of cultural leaders, those who would be the cultural leaders. Um, I remember, um, and kind of as a freshman, I went into the freshman dining dining hall, and um, I went up to this group of people, and I would just sit down with various people. And when I sat down, um, you know, I spilled my milk uh, over everybody <laughs> by mistake. It was really this awful thing. And and a guy uh, said, "Well, who are you?" And I said, "Well, I'm not anybody." And he said, "That's all right. It's my business to know people before they're famous." <laughs> <laughs> Nice. <laughs> so uh, that was the kind of place it was. But at the same time, you know, you're inculcated in that kind of environment with a uh, sort of arrogance about life that when you graduate, you then have to spend a number of years afterwards getting de-educated from. Um, just this, uh, this, this kind of, you get, you get, you absorb a lot of kind of falsehoods about um your place in the universe that uh and you you know if god cares about you after he's going to humble you so that you start to see um you know with the good things there is also uh, a need for christ in everything um and so that was that was part of um, the de-education as well um, and you were studying what there at yale uh geology and geophysics yeah. okay did you finish? Is that what your undergrad is in? Yeah, that's my oh. undergraduate degree. Mm-hmm. Something about acoustical resonance or something? Uh, yes, it was the comparison of seismic waves and um, microsonic waves through granite uh, to develop an index of, of uh, the stability of a granite. So I'm broad and you are specific because it doesn't get more <laughs> specific than that. You've done a lot of research and writing related to the topic of gender. Uh, 
why this topic? Because you wrote a book a few years ago, Engendered. Yeah, that really came from when I was called into the ministry. Yeah, so I was pastoring this church in, in Greenwich Village in New York City, which um, I think it was Bob Dylan who said, uh, Greenwich Village is, is where the you... The theologian Bob Dylan? Yeah, that one. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Greenwich Village is where you go to uh, escape America. It was, a, it was a place of a lot of uh, revolutionary ideas. People are trying to break outside of the envelope, outside of the box. And uh, we were doing a church there, and I looked around and said, well, what should we be about here? What's going on? And this was uh, in the early 2000s after 9-11. Um, what was going on there was uh, I noticed a lot of what I came to call gender explorers. Um, there were people who were trying to trying to go outside of normal relationships at that time. And uh, that was... Um, before it really got big in the country. Um, and so I was walking beside uh, guys who are, were, were trying to follow Christ, but also, you know, uh, had, the, had to deal with same-sex attraction. At the same time, I was, I was ministering to young women who were coming, beginning their careers in New York and had a, had a hard time with some of the things that the Bible said uh, about women. And they felt were, were they didn't understand and see how uh, it fit with God and His character and justice and and so there are a lot of these different issues. Also, uh, people who who were gender was starting to break down. So I, I I began to realize all of these different things are really part and parcel of the same issue. Like what is gender? What does it mean to be a man? What does it mean to be a woman? What does it mean to be coming together? And so just trying to search the scriptures, walk with people through those things, it became a very important issue. And so we began a ministry there to walk with people who wanted to follow Christ while uh, having same-sex attraction. And that was really, really, I learned a lot from doing that. And when it came time to do... Um, uh, dissertation. I wanted to do more with these uh, incredible people who I was just so impressed with uh, these people who really had an, an added burden of discipleship with which we weren't, we aren't familiar. Um, I wanted to spend more time with them. So I did a qualitative research project on men who had a gay background and most of whom had uh, long-term relationships, gay relationships, but who now were married uh, to Christian women in long-term stable relationships. I wanted to talk to them because I thought if anybody could tell us and teach us the difference that gender makes in a relationship, it would be these guys. And I just, I learned a lot uh, from them and uh, that eventually all of these different threads came together in that book. Is it uh, available now? Can someone pick it up? Yeah, it's uh, published by Lexham Press, and uh, you can get it on Amazon. Engendered. Okay. Yes. And then, Small e, capital G. You, as we were talking beforehand, uh, before the Iron Cast, you had mentioned now your new area of study that is even maybe helping us understand gender uh, even more. Uh, no, it's not new. It's just an application of those principles. Like, I looked at the situation, and I'm not sure... Um, you know, I didn't expect people to really uh, listen. That book made bigger a bigger splash than I thought. But I didn't I didn't expect the world's going to be listening to um, the council there, which is really it's trying to that book is trying to develop a theology of gender for 
folks. I looked around and said, really, what's the pressure point here? What's the, what's the real place of weakness? And noticed that you, you can probably tell that marriages are really going downhill. And marriage as an institution is just crumbling. And this goes back for you know over uh, 100 years, 150 years you can trace this. And now it's, uh, it's really getting bad. So I know that this is going to cause a lot of destruction in people's lives. So I wanted to go back to the beginning and say, where could I really help? And I thought the place that I could help was at the initial decision point of getting married. So, um, yeah, I'm planning a book this year I'm writing that is for Christians who are single and who are dating. Um, so it's not announced yet, but I guess we're announcing it here. Right? <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, we, you know, what and happens at Iron Gas, you know, it gets broadcast everywhere. So, uh, but you know, Mary Kay was telling me what the first chapter is about. Can you spoil a little spoiler alert there or no? Yeah, well, the name of the book is, Is This One the One? So 12 questions for Christians, mm. singles nice. who are dating. Is this one the one? I like yeah. that. Yeah. Basically, that's what you want to know. It's like this second most important decision in my life, how to make that decision and to make it in a way that you can be really confident that you're making a good decision. Um, because you can. But it's the advice I see being given today is just it's not really getting at what people really need. So that's the, the basic uh, flow of the book. But the first chapter is how to break up. Nice. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, little swipe like, left or swipe right. I don't know what it is. But, okay. <laughs> it's kind of a downer for, for a book about this successful dating. But the point is that you should never really go into a dating relationship in, unless you're able to go out. Um, you have to be able to not be in a relationship in order to be in a relationship well. In other words, for you to really date well, you have to be able to not date. So you can't be in a relationship where the relationship, you've got to have that relationship no matter what, or else you're going to die. Then those lead to awful uh, marriages and leads to you know, a lot of heartbreak. Um, so you need to be able to know how to break up especially these days since the big way where people are getting together these days is through online dating services, which are fine, but they're, they're removing all context whatsoever. So you're starting from, really starting from scratch. And people just need to realize that if you're starting from scratch in a dating relationship, you're probably going to be breaking up more often uh, just because you're not starting with all the kinds of family or community uh, information that you would start a relationship otherwise and so there's just more it's just going to be more breakups so you have to be able to uh, you have to be ready you have to be willing you have to be able to to go out in order to go in well hmm. it seems like you have uh, a passion like for just people seeking relationships I remember a couple months ago you had like a get-together for singles at your house yeah and why do you think that is why do you think that particular issue is so special to you well as I've traced these things back Shana you know uh, gender I've found that it, it really takes us back into the very being of God um, why do we have relationships well because God uh, ultimately is relationship within himself we believe and serve a triune God and the Trinity is 
why we have relationships. Not that our relationships are exactly the same as the Trinity is, but in, in the way that God has created us in his image, when he splayed out what he was in space and time, it came out as gender. So we're getting at one of the keys of the universe here, just in having relationships. And so I realized that if this is what a big part of what it is to be in God's image, then these things need to be tended. And uh, just as being a pastor, you start to go to where the, the need is. And this is, a, this is a huge need that we have. How to be in gendered relationships. People are losing that knowledge very rapidly. My students readily accept that gender is a construct. Like it's just yeah. assumed. Like it's not even up for debate anymore, you know. And I just, it's strange to live in that kind of world. Well, we this is all very, it's all predictable. What's happening is all uh, very easily uh, foreseen series logical progression of events. When people start to, started to minimize gender in marriage, uh, the very next step is just, it's easy to see that if you minimize gender in marriage, you say, well, it doesn't really matter who's doing what, or it doesn't matter people don't really, the men and women don't really love each other differently, um, then the next thing you're going to get is gay marriage. Because why <laughs> Why do you need a man and a woman uh, in the marriage? It's, you can just as well have two of the same gender, what I call monogendered relationships. Um, and from there... Uh, you can tell what's coming next because as soon as you have gay marriage as the norm, um, you're, you're going to lose what gender is uh, because gender is about relationships. So when you lose gender in relationship, you lose gender. And so it's, it's, the next step is uh, kind of gender dysphoria that is now uh, enveloping our society. It's like, what if, if you can't be a man and woman in relationship, then you start to stop understanding what it is to be a man, or what it is to be a woman. It's like, who, who am I? Maybe I'm not, you know? There's so many questions I could ask, but I don't want to be greedy. I was my my next question was like, how do you engage a culture as a Christian? How do you engage a culture about conversations about gender? You know, without just completely shutting the conversation down. Because I, for example, I exist in a workplace where anyone who disputes the idea that gender is a construct or that gay marriage is an okay lifestyle, like you are just automatically labeled as a bigot and the conversation's over. And maybe that's something that like we as Christians need to accept. I mean, the persecution that we face is so minimal compared to other cultures. So like maybe we just need to get over that. But at the same time, just how, how do you engage with people who think so differently in a way that just, you know, the gospel can go forth and not just yeah. be shut down? That's a really good, really good question because I think we are at a point in a culture where you're not as able to be cool as a Christian um, as you maybe used to be. Like it's becoming increasingly hard to really be cool as a Christian. And I think that you're right. Part of that is a calling that we need to accept. I mean, I think this whole thing with the breakdown of gender is really a conversation between Christ and his church. Um, ultimately, God is in charge of what's going on here, and he's allowing these things so that his church, he's, he's really asking the church, are you, are you going to follow me or not? 
And what's the church's answer? So uh, that's the bigger thing that's going on. Uh, in the context of that, though, you, you still want to uh, be there for folks who are making decisions with which you can't agree, mm -hmm. you feel aren't good for them. And how do you handle that? Well, there are a few things. I think uh, it's very important to go back to Ephesians uh, 4 and speak the truth in love. You know, that is what it is to be mature, according to Paul, is to come to a place where we're speaking the truth in love. And so that means you always have to be clear uh, that you have a two responsibilities in the situation, to be loving and to be truthful. And if you are loving and you do not have any truth to offer in your life, eh, you're not really being loving in the end. But if you have the truth and you're going to bring truth to people and you don't care about them, you don't love them, that's not really truthful, you know, as far as God's truth. So we need to bring those both in, into a situation and walk with people where they are. And really the best thing to do for people is to come to a place in our own lives where we're celebrating gender. Because this is a, this is a gift, a tremendous gift that God has given us, a wonderful gift to be made in his image, to be a woman, to be a man. And when you're in a culture where people are just walking around ashamed of what they are, guys who are you know, really embarrassed about being men and women who really are you know, cutting themselves about being women. And um, if, you, if you see another picture uh, of somebody who is, is enjoying the gift of gender in their relationships, and do you see what it does, the way it cultivates intimacy and fruitfulness? Because it does. Uh, that's why it was given to us. That's a tremendous witness to people. And even if they don't want to say that they agree with you, uh, it has it has great effects uh, in their lives. Um, As you talk about these issues, it's obvious to me that um, you are called as we all are to love and you do love people and you want to help them move closer to God. Our church coming up here is going to be voting on, are you called to be associate pastor here at Ironworks? Yeah, and um, yeah. And uh, so what's helpful as we prepare our hearts for worship, as we begin to think about our own callings and even your calling here at this church, what are some things maybe you think about in terms of whether or not you're called to be at Ironworks? I think that you should look at the vision of the church as you understand it and try to find out if this, if this new addition is really going in that, in that direction. Is it really supporting the vision for the church as you understand it? As, as the, I mean, the vision comes from the pastor, but it, it's all the people of the church contribute to it. And so as you've been contributing to it and seeing it grow and seeing what it is that God's doing here, what, what he wants to do, does this help serve that? Um, I think that's probably a question you should be asking. Yeah, I think that is a great one for myself, too, to reflect on how is my life syncing with the mission of, of Ironworks Church, really God's mission, you know, and how do I, as I prepare for Sunday, how do I thank God, you know, how am I serving the city, how am I loving one another, how am I... Uh, preaching Christ, yes, um, all those, those the four missions. Hey, here they there. are up on the wall. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. They're here mm -hmm. reminding us every time we have an iron gas, mm -hmm. you know. But anyway, Sam, on a serious note, uh, you know, your teaching has been great in mm -hmm. that not, not to just 
pat you on the back, but to say it stretches us and we appreciate that for the time that God has had you here. Um, and moving forward, people will vote as the spirit leads them. But just to say thank you for mm-hmm. um, being willing to go into the kind of the edgy parts of scripture and um, cause us to grow. You know, mm-hmm. sometimes it's been pruning and other times it's been like, whoa, that's a, a new thought I have to think through. Mm-hmm. So we appreciate that about you. And Well, that's very kind of you to say. That's, uh, that's encouraging. Well, we're closing up the Ironcast. Uh, we're preparing our hearts for worship. And uh, so these are some things, uh, Ironworks, to think about uh, this coming Sunday. And the next is, you know, how are our lives? God's call is calling us into mission with him. And uh, how, do we, how do we get more engaged in that? Coming from your director of engagement here, that's a question I'm asking myself, asking to you. How do we get more engaged with God's mission? Um, whether that be home groups, whether that be um, that we have a newcomers uh, event coming up here March, um, mid- middle of March, uh, just to get to know people. So where is it that you can just dip your toes into the shallow end, but also dive into the deep end in, in terms of being engaged in God's mission? So we pray you discover that this week as we prepare your hearts for worship. Shana, mm-hmm. great to be with you, Sam. Appreciate you.